Hi and welcome to yet another expert. Thank you for listening to this episode where I go on about the little daily things. A friend actually told me that I should probably rename the podcast to Ermi's Little Things because this is what it seems to be about and I think he might be right. So this week has been quite a, an interesting one, definitely a very tiring one. I've tried to keep it true to myself, the promise I did to train. I have this video series that I started, which is the classic uh, 30-day challenge. You know, in order for your brain to build a habit into a routine, a routine is a sequence of actions you do without feeling that you have to or feeling bad about them. A routine is to walk your dog, for example. So in order to build a routine, you need to train a habit for at least 60 days. This is when it becomes just second nature. I'm very far away from that, but closely getting to 10 days. I think it takes uh, 20 days to see any noticeable difference. It does get a bit easier. Reminds me of the Bojack Horseman line, but indeed you need to do it every day. So I've been following this girl. I think she was great at naming the videos and that's what has given a lot of views. But in terms of the thought put into the exercises chosen, I am not an expert. I just have to say that naming something beginners and then working on three days straight for the exact same muscle groups and then having exercises where you're not holding yourself anywhere. There are some that you're standing on one leg and kicking front and back and sideways. And I'm like, you should expect people that are way less able than you starting a program like this. Maybe you want to take it a bit more easy. However, I keep true to my promise. I treat it as a yoga studio. So even if I cannot do something, I adjust it to my pace. Accountability is a big thing if you're trying to start a habit like that. Sometimes I would open a, a Zoom call and invite my girlfriend who would be doing other things just to know that she can watch me train. There was something funny, embarrassing and, you know, the mutual expectation situation that I found hilarious. We're also in the same apartment, so it's not that it's very far away. But I've been going strong and I actually decided to all bike to work. I haven't used my bike since September that I bought it. It was a very happy Hermes in Berlin story. It was still the weather okay and I thought, you know what? I was using Donkey Republic before, a Danish startup for bike sharing. It wasn't as famous in Berlin, but it had its presence. But they pulled out of the market. They're staying in Denmark. Long story short, I'm becoming more of a permanent resident here. So I thought it's time for me to get my bike. I first went to a secondhand shop in Prenzlauer Berg, which was straight out of a movie. Kids were playing outside with their parents. A bit of a hipsterish, really cool vibe. And you're like, I want you to like me. So I went there and these secondhand reworked bikes, they were lovely, but the prices were already at six and seven hundred for the cheapest. And I know myself, when I buy something for the first time, I don't trust me, I lose things, things get stolen, felt like a big investment. So I got a bike for 400 something. I rode it two times in September and then it was just too cold. I locked it in the backyard. I put a hood on it because, you know, when you buy, when you go to a big bike store, they sell you the whole package. What about your seat? Someone can steal it if you don't put the thing that doesn't let people unlock it. What about a lock? What about putting your phone on? What about a basket? So I left with a very much ready to tackle anything bike and it spent all of these months tackling the backyard. 
But I got it out. Um, Google Maps has also been getting quite smart if you have a bike. It's showing you, at least in Berlin, what percentage of your route is by bike lanes, which can be a nice way to choose an optimal way to go. 70% bike lanes to go to work. It shows it at 32 minutes. I do it at around 40. And this is, uh, this is how I'm rolling. So you can see that I'm putting the effort in. At the same time, I think I'm doing zero effort on food. I eat the biggest brunch I could yesterday. I, I tried a few kebab this week, so I'm just happy my body's getting more activated and the rest will fall in place. Now, something else I wanted to share is that in all of this getting more healthy type of routines that I'm starting, I like to check a bit on my sleep. I have an Aura Ring, a smart ring. It can tell you a lot of information about your readiness, your activity, provides a shit ton of data, sleep cycles. It even measures the oxygen in your blood. It can tell you your resting heart rate and gets pretty sophisticated. I don't geek too much on it, but it definitely helped me improve my sleep. So I've been listening to this uh, podcast, the Haberman Lab, which is by a neuroscientist in Stanford, I think, or some other super duper university. He's very well known and he has this podcast to improve yourself. He focuses a lot on sleep and sleep quality. He reads research papers that talk about how the light changes our inner circadian rhythm and what's the best way to activate in the morning, when to drink your coffee, why is it important to look at the sunlight and all of these things. So I had a friend who cannot sleep and I thought, hey, you could listen to that episode. And actually one of two things will happen. If you listen to an episode that helps you understand more about your sleep, increase your sleep quality and just improve your sleep, when you go to bed, then one of two things will happen. You will either listen to the whole episode because it's a long episode you will either listen to all of it and actually learn a lot of tangible ways you can improve your sleep quality and your wake-ups. And if you don't and you fall asleep, then it kind of it kind of fits the purpose, right? So it's a win-win scenario. If you cannot sleep, just put on the Haberman Labs podcast. You will either learn how to sleep better or just fall asleep. So thanks for sticking in. I hope you're having a good week so far. I hope you're sleeping well, hydrating, taking care of yourselves. You want to live until you're 90? Is it your dream to see, I don't know, whatever the, this shit of world is going to turn into? Don't you have that curiosity? Don't you imagine to be in your own farm with your chicken and your eggs or just drawing some landscapes or writing poetry in a, in a bar in Japan? Whatever your thing is, we need to make it through. I also went to an exhibition this weekend. It was an exhibition that was about mushrooms and futuristic blending with, with arts and actual mushrooms that are growing in different ways. They can take different shapes. They are experimenting with the material and how different mycelia react. I'm very deep into uh, <laughs> the Berlin subculture. How did I learn about this? It was a friend of a friend who was working as part of the art installation. And it was a very experimental exhibition, I would say, where there were different types of mushrooms in display with some artistic context. 
there were some films playing in the basement of the facility and that's an interesting thing in Berlin there are a lot of these exhibitions it can be anything when when you read the text and then you visit the actual exhibition it could be like flipping a coin and seeing what what comes there which is a strange thing for me coming from Greece usually when there's an exhibition about something I'm more used to a setup I can expect reading the description or knowing the place where something is happening having a little bit of an idea who's organizing it and I feel that in Berlin it's so vast and there are so many things popping left and right that you have a lot of ambition and a lot of energy and a lot of drive you see people that are doing a one-man army exhibition setting up everything themselves from finding a space doing the light getting up with the concept doing the social media and just running the entire show there was some music playing that I went to check on the on the website and I have to say the music was way too experimental for me. It was basically a bunch of frequencies changing. Do you know how it is when you're in a live concert and before the music starts you hear this and you know things are being plugged and ready in place? Well, imagine this type of sound forever. No actual other sound is coming. It's just this frequency just extended forever. It was getting quite uncomfortable at some point for me. I was uh, feeling I'm just doing ear damage with no satisfaction. I think this exhibition altogether was lacking a bit of context. I felt I was missing the context of what it is that I'm seeing and why and how does it connect with a wider theme, which also made it quite interesting because everyone that was there seemed to make up their own interpretation of the spaces we can navigate and what we, we can see there. The interesting thing is when they can give more of the science that's happening behind. The entire exhibition was made by things that were found in the trash in terms of the screens and the electronics and putting it all together. Very cyberpunk kind of vibe. Today there was a meditation session happening with glowing mushrooms. It's interesting to have networks like this, seeing these stories about things that are happening. This is how I actually visited a house for a house sale. And I love this concept. I also love flea markets. The reason I love flea markets because I think my dream is to get a stand at a flea market. My previous apartment in Greece had so many things I wanted to get rid of. And in Greece, you cannot just... The, the concept of the flea market sale is not as welcoming as it is here in Berlin you cannot just go and set up something or take a spot in a in a flea market but here in Berlin you can actually sign up you can contact the organizers it costs something like 30 euro to set up your own bench and this has been one of my dreams just taking all the random junk I have taking a few of my drawings as well and just starting my alternative art life here in Berlin But besides buying a lot of things I will never use, thinking about flea markets and bigger items, you know, like a furniture or something for the house, maybe a chair, maybe a shelf, maybe something that could look nice. It's so difficult for me to see it in the middle of a park and imagine it in my apartment just detached from any other background element. And going in a garage sale that was happening in the apartment was perfect. I mean, it's not a garage, right? It's a house sale. 
but it's not the actual apartment that is for sale, it's everything else but the apartment. It's a bit of a paradox, but everything you saw around you more or less was for sale, but the things where they were supposed to be, they just had price tags all over the place, and you could browse around and imagine, be like, ooh, this whole corner looks nice, or understand that the style of the person, how they've chosen to have things around and how it can work on your place. Lovely concept. Well, someone needs to be moving out and selling everything for you to have that chance. But it was very calm, very convenient, very helpful. We ended up buying a few things. I bought a Google Dot, which is this device you can ask mostly about the weather, I have to say. It's it's okay at answering questions if they're simply formulated, but it's less exciting than anticipated. I hope uh, Google steps up its game. Seriously thinking that Alexa is quite better. Got some books and just a few things. In the apartment sale, it's also nice that we could be there alone and walk around and look at the different items, look at the kitchen. And the person doing it was telling us that the first time she did it, it was so many people coming, it became a thing. People from the street were getting to know that this is happening and they would all come up. And at some point it got so chaotic that people were trying to get things and asking, hey, is this for sale? Or it was just a a chaotic situation and she said she needed to make people come 10 at a time. Which is a really, really good segue to this one story I want to share from the world. And this is that, you know, there is a a town in Thailand that at the moment is being invaded by monkeys. Apparently, the monkeys have had enough of waiting to be fed. And now they are storming the city by thousands, almost 4,000 monkeys. And they are going after everything. They get aggressive with people. They try to find food. They try to enter the houses. And they're just causing so much chaos that the city has to ban access to specific parts of the town. They are taken by the monkeys and people cannot go anymore there. That is insane. And these monkeys being out of control, they have their own gangs. They're having turf wars in the city. The locals are protecting their houses with uh, barrication and Imagine how absurd it is to have to navigate around monkey turf wars and know who's winning who in what area. And you may think, why did this all happen? How did we get here? So COVID played a big role because that city was visited a lot by tourists and these monkeys were one of the main attractions coming and getting fed and, you know, taking photos and all that situation. But what happens when tourists stop and the monkeys are like, what the fuck? Where did the people where is the food you were supposed to come here and feed us we would steal you know your phone every now and then or something to trade with some food but we had a deal so these monkeys went wild they started becoming more aggressive and then the locals they had this great plan they thought okay let's just give them our our junk food uh they they tried to literally give trash and junk to the monkeys to eat which actually made them even more aggressive. And then they were trying to feed monkeys with sweets and fizzy drinks. And, but actually, all of the sweets they were feeding monkeys said to have caused them to be hyperactive. They are sugar-fueled at the moment. So they're looking for that sugar high. They want it. They try to get it. And this is what drives them. Also, you know, sugar actually provides, it provided monkeys with the increased reproduction because of this hyperactive behavior it was causing. So now look at this combo. 
The monkeys are mad, you try to feed them your trash, it backfires, they're even more aggressive, you start feeding them all sort of sweets and junk, and then they get high on sugar, hyperactive, they start reproducing, and now they're growing in numbers and growing in anger, and they want their food. So, more or less, with these attempts, I think the locals may unintentionally have turned the city into a monkey love nest. So, yes, at the moment, the harmony is completely broken. Imagine a city that is run by the monkeys now. There are monkeys everywhere. You go out, they're standing in the rooftops or on the roads, try to steal your car and enter every window. And they are now becoming experts in ambushing as well, turning the whole city into a wild comedic jungle. So, yes the monkey apocalypse happening in Thailand is definitely material straight out of a movie, but uh, it doesn't fall too far away from what I, I experienced in the Greek island of Ikaria, which is where my mother's side comes from. It's an island in the southeast Aegean, if I say this correctly, close to Turkey, and it's an island with great history. It comes from Icarus, flying with the wings too close to the sun and you know this whole situation it's an island of uh, celebrations and feasts everyone makes their own wine ancient wine birthplace type of island and it's one of the blue states where people have the highest life expectancy together with uh, okinawa in japan and i think syracuse uh, or sicily in italy one of the two but anyway Point being, this island does a lot of feasts. Every summer there are these traditional feasts that have to do part religion, part folk story. There is a lot of goat cooking, there is a lot of dancing, there is a lot of being in the woods and drinking the wine and feasting and dancing for days. And this is where things get weird because during COVID the feasts have to stop. These feasts are drawing people from all over Greece. We're talking thousands and thousands of people. And the island is a very dry island and it has a lot of wild goats. So what happened during the pandemic was that the goat population of the island, the wild goat population, increased to such numbers that it stopped being on the designated places. Back when I was a child, it was illegal to you know go get a wild goat or have to deal with them. And at the moment, the island is raided by wild goats. They are eating everything on the mountains and they have started going down in the villages. This is how I found things when I went there the, the years before. They're entering the garden, they're destroying crops. My neighbor, whose name is Aphrodite, an 80-year-old lovely uh, woman, she's the sweetest person on earth. And suddenly she, she told me in her balcony how she's carrying rocks in her apron so she can go out and throw it at the goats because they're eating their very hard-worked garden. And I saw it with my own eyes. They can jump everywhere. They jump from the fences. They can get very creative. And they're just raiding the village. So this is a real problem. You can find wild goat meat everywhere, which is such a luxurious problem to have that you cannot eat enough wild goat. You need to eat all the wild goat. Hopefully the feasts have started since last year, I think. And I think the population will probably self-manage one way or another. But we are also living our own little Thailand in the island of Ikaria with wild goats being our angry monkeys and feasts being the only way to, to solve it. That's it for me. Hope you're having a great week ahead. 
Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If you made it this far, you are probably one of the best people I know. This was very enjoyable for me. It feels good to keep the consistency and keep bringing whatever is in this tired mind. Thanks for being around. Have a lovely rest of the days. Ciao, ciao.